Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. It is so good to be with you guys tonight. Would you go with me? Take your Bibles tonight, if you would. And I want you to go with us to the Old Testament, okay? To the book of Judges. Will you do that? Judges chapter 3 is where we're going to find ourselves tonight. Been praying about what the Lord would have me to preach. And God took me to this message. And I'm only going to read one verse to you. We might look a little bit at chapter 5. But I'm just going to read one verse in Judges chapter 3. Look at the last verse of the chapter, okay? If you can stand tonight as we honor the reading of God's Word, uh, then I would certainly encourage you to do that. How many of you thankful for the book tonight? Amen? Oh, we can't live without this book. And so I'm so thankful for the book tonight. And it's so good to see you. I'm sorry I did not get in here on time for dinner tonight. It is not because I didn't want it, because I'm hungry right now, all right? But I got to admit, my wife kept saying, honey, we got to hurry. And I was driving. I mean, I was, I was, I was driving close to the speed limit, <laughs> all right? Close. All right, but uh, but in Richmond, Kentucky, they opened a new Bucky's up. I don't know, Brother Gary, you saw that, and you can't go buy new Bucky's and not stop. I mean, you know, and so we stopped, and it's big, so we took time in there, and so then I caught a train and uh, got stopped down in Greenwich by the train and had to backtrack. So all of that together, you can just uh, blame that, okay? But uh, anyway, look in verse number thirty-one, Judges chapter three. The Bible says, and after him was Shamgar the son of Anath which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad and he also delivered Israel. Let's pray. Father I thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. I thank you for safe passage God uh, to come uh, here to Sandusky and I thank you for allowing us to be together one more time with Pastor Gary and Sister Renee and, and this, this church, Lord. What, a, what, what they mean to me and, 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 and my wife, Lord, we, we cannot express in words properly. But I'm also thankful for a people of God that seek the Holy Spirit and for a move in this day. Here we are now two years plus past this pandemic. Many churches, God, are struggling. Many churches have had to revamp and do a lot of different things. God. But Lord, I'm so thankful that, Lord, that, that things have not changed and that if there's going to be revival, Lord, it's going to come through the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we are seeking that this week, Lord. And, and I did not, I don't have it in my pocket, Lord. I wish I could have brought it, but I don't have it. But Lord, I know the one that does. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, tonight to move on the hearts, Lord. May your Holy Spirit, Father, just reach out and touch every heart here tonight. There could be someone in these pews tonight. There could be someone watching through the live stream technology that this church offers. God, they, they don't know the Lord. If they were to die tonight, God, there's no assurance in their heart that they would go to heaven. And oh God, I pray, would you bring conviction to them, but also bring encouragement and hope that they, through Jesus Christ, can be saved. I, I pray, Lord, if there's a child of yours here tonight or watching online who's not where they ought to be, Lord. They, they know where they 
should be, Lord, but they're not there. God, I pray, may they come to you tonight just like the prodigal did. Just come to their senses, Lord. Just get up and come back home. And Father, may, may, may we rejoice, Lord, like the, like the Father did uh, of a sheep that has come home. Lord, I pray, use me tonight, Lord. For just a few moments, I ask you to anoint me with the Holy Ghost. I know, Lord, I confess before you and before these people that in my flesh doesn't dwell one good thing. So I need you, God. Please, Lord, I pray, grant an anointing, and may I preach, Lord, in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hide me behind the cross. I don't care if anybody sees me, God. May they see Jesus tonight. And we'll glory in you, God, and in the cross of Calvary. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated, all right? This message, I'll be honest with you. This man, before I get into my introduction anyway, this message was stirred on my heart while I sat on my love seat the other night with your pastor sitting beside of me. We were watching the NBA playoffs. And I'm not going to preach on the NBA playoffs, by the way, all right? But we were just like any good guys. We were sitting there watching the NBA playoffs and a commercial come on TV. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking up at the TV and it's a Fitbit commercial. And on that Fitbit commercial, it had a lot of things that just, just took me by surprise. And, 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 and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it. And I guess, I don't know, my face must have begun to change because your pastor began to laugh out loud. And I thought, what's this guy laughing about? This is a sick commercial right here. And I'm not going to tell you what was in it. I might hear it in a little while. But it was a sick, and I just looked over at him like that, and he was just dying laughing at me. And I said, what did we just see? You know. And, and so this message comes out of that, that the Lord has burdened my heart. You know that our present society today has expended tremendous effort, we might say, to blur the lines between gender distinctions. Can we agree on that? And you know there are parts of the professing church who have decided that the differences between men and women, heterosexual, homosexual, they've all been created, manufactured that is, by what you would call a male chauvinistic society or a male chauvinistic church. There was a book written by a lady by the name of Hannah Rosen back in 2010. She entitled her book called The End of of men and she traced the disappearance of men by their traditional roles and their responsibilities and she argues in this book that society has established that men are obsolete and she uses data to affirm this viewpoint here's what she said now remember the book was written in 2010 so the data is just a little bit dated but in 2009, in the United States, one-fifth of able-bodied men were not working. One-fifth of able-bodied. I'm not talking about disabled or anything like that. I'm talking about able-bodied men. One-fifth of them would not hold a job. In the West, including the United States, Hannah Rosen says that roughly 60% of all college graduates are women including 60% of all master's degrees are, in, are conferred upon women. Educationally, across the, across the country, boys lag behind girls in every marker. And in 2009, the United States workforce became majority women, more women in the workforce than men. 
Work was once something that American men did. They needed to work to survive, but also work gave them meaning, gave them structure to live their lives along with having a connection with others. If they didn't work, what do we call them? We said, you're a bum. All right? And, and, and flashback with me, okay? You got to flashback further than I've been around. But flashback to the greatest generation. Remember those GIs that came through World War II and they defeated fascism and they came home to the most prosperous country in the world. In 1960, listen to this, 97% of men between the ages of 25 and 54, all right? 97% of them, only 3% didn't, 97% had jobs. Between the ages of 25 and 54, 97% had jobs. If you were between the age of 20 and older up to say 60, uh, I forget what the stat was, 60 some years old, 86% had jobs. That was in 1960, okay? That's just 62 years ago. Some of, some of you have lived through the 60s, okay? You, you remember the 60s, all right? So, so 97% of men between 25 and 54 worked a job, okay? Men supported their families. They worked in factories and offices, and they enjoyed an unprecedented high standard of living. And even the large families, men supported even the large families that produced the baby boom era, now, flash forward and let's go to today. Now, this is 2016 stats, all right? I'm just a little bit behind. But while most men work today, the proportion of male adults who do not is higher than at any other time. Statistics have been collected on it for 70 years. More able-bodied men are not working today than at any time in our history. At least one in nine men, that's 11%. It was only three in 1960. It's 11% between the age of 25 and 54. They're able-bodied, but they will not work. And it's now up to 20% if you go down to the early 20s to the late 60s in age. One out of five men from their early 20s to their late 60s will not hold a job. That's three times what it was in 1960. Okay? Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. Where are we going with this preacher? All right, let me, let me change, let me turn the page. Okay? American motherhood has changed since Mother's Day was first coined as a holiday more than 100 years ago. Today, moms are educated more than ever before. Most women with a young child are even in the labor force right now. And 40% of mothers, 40%, almost half, currently serve as the family's sole or primary breadwinner. The Pew Research Center found that women are more likely now to become mothers than they were 10 years ago, but they're waiting longer in life to do it because they're spending more time in the labor force than they did in the past. Most mothers today are having children later in life because they want to make sure they establish their careers first instead of getting married at 18 and having a kid by your 19 and so on. They're now doing it later in life because most of them are now college educated. There's more women today college educated than any before. And if you're going to invest that kind of money in an education, then you're going to try to get a return on your investment. You're going to get your career started first. Does that make sense? 
Okay? Mothers are spending more time and nearly one quarter, 25% of American mothers are raising their children as a single parent. 25% are raising their children as single parents. And since 1997, I went through that year, since 1997, the rate of mothers that are cohabitating with a partner outside of marriage has doubled. That's just 25 years. The rate of living together outside of marriage for women has doubled. You know what I believe? I believe that all this reveals that the greatest need among our churches... And I'm going to echo what Brother Doug said, is I believe the greatest need overall for our churches is a revival of the Holy Ghost. But I want to narrow this thing down for just a moment because I believe the greatest need in order to bring about the revival of the Holy Ghost. And I really feel passionate about preaching this message tonight and starting this week off with a challenge. Is the greatest need among our churches, our homes, and our communities today and our society as a whole is that men rise up to be the men that God expects them to be. Here in this text, we find one such man. We don't know much about this guy by the name of Shamgar. By the way, it makes you thankful for a name like Bob or Dan, doesn't it, all right? right. He's only mentioned twice in the Bible, and he seems to appear on the pages of the Bible, then he just disappears. But what is said about this man shows us a man of courage and shows us a man of character. Shamgar lived in Israel in a time before they had a king. They were living in a time of what the Bible calls judges. They were the ones that would govern the nation. The Bible does not say Shamgar was a judge. Some people think he might be. Some people think he's a minor judge rather than a major one. We don't know. But what we do know was at the time Shamgar is living, Israel is plagued by, by, by various adversaries. The Philistines were one of them. The Canaanites were one of them. The Bible even tells us that their enemies would not even allow Israel to possess weapons. They were not allowed to have swords and all these other things. The Bible even says that the enemies like the Canaanites and the Philistines would patrol the highways, the major highways of Israel so that the people that lived in Israel would actually take back roads and less occupied ways to make sure they went around where the occupiers were at. And realizing Israel's great need, Shamgar rose up and he determined to use what he had to do his part. Can I tell you today we also face the oppression of the enemy, don't we? Our homes, our families, our churches, our community, we, our nation is suffering from the havoc that has been wrought about by the devil. And more than ever, we need men like Shamgar to rise up and be the men that God expects them to be. And so I want to start tonight and start this week by asking this question, and this is the title of my sermon, is where are are the men where are the men and I want to show you what type of man Shamgar was and that's the type of men that I believe we need today number one we need men that are equipped we need men that are equipped. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 39. The Bible says this one man slew of the Philistines 600 men, but he didn't have weapons. 
Okay? He was not the Ukrainian president trying to ask somebody to send him some portable missiles. Okay? He was not that man. He did not have a sword. He did not have a gun. He did not have any of those things. What he had was an ox goad. And can I tell you, he took what he had and he delivered Israel and slew 600 men. You know what Shamgar knew he was? He knew he was equipped. It may not look like an instrument of warfare. It may not look like a weapon that you'd go to battle in. If you come up against 600 soldiers, you don't want to have an axe go to go fight against them. But Shamgar, that's all that he had. But he had God. And he said, well, if that's all I've got, as long as I've got God, I know it's going to be enough. And so the Bible says with an ox goat, he was able to slay 600. Can I ask you men something today? What has God given you? We live in a day, man, where everybody wants to be the celebrity preacher. Everybody wants to have the big social media following. Everybody wants to have the Twitter page. And everybody wants to be preaching under the big tents and have the thousands and all these other things. And listen, if you, if you don't make enough of them, they'll make plenty of themselves. Because they'll make sure they stand behind the pulpit and they'll take a selfie to make sure that they can, everybody knows they're preaching. Some, oh, listen, Shamgar's not like that man. Shamgar said, look, I don't have much. I'm really not anybody. We don't know anything about Shamgar. We don't know that he was a judge. We only know who his family is just simply by the record. We don't know anything he accomplished in life except the fact he had an ox goat. I don't know if he lived in a mansion. I don't know if he lived in the poor house. I don't know if he drove the best ox cart out there. I don't know if he drove the rattiest one. I don't know what he wore. I don't know if he looked like he was Doug Tackett or if he looked like he was a poor man on the street. I have no idea. Idea. But what I know about Shamgar is he had an ox goat and he knew his nation had a problem. And he said, God, you have equipped me to face and overcome the enemy. Friend, can I tell you something? We need some men today that say it doesn't matter about what we drive. It doesn't matter about where we live. It doesn't matter about what we achieve in life. But God has given me something and I'm going to use it for his glory. And we need men. Men that are equipped. And listen, with an ox goad, you can ensure a couple of things. See, with an ox goad, you use that thing to ensure progress. Because on one end of an ox goad is a point. All right? And so when you're out there and you're tilling up the, 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 the soil, working in the fields, and that ox gets stubborn, you know, and you're trying to get him to move, and he don't, he's stubborn. He's got to be free will Baptist, <laughs> you know, and he's stubborn. You just get that old pointy in, and you know, and that old boy starts moving again. Listen, that's what Shamgar did. Shamgar had an ox goad, and it made sure he always ensured progress. Can I tell you something today? We need the men of God to rise up and ensure the progress of God's people. Amen? Come on now, men. Come on, you ladies ought to be shouting and running this side. Listen, listen, we need some men tonight to stand up and ensure that their families are going in the right direction, to ensure their marriages are going in the right direction, to ensure that they're growing in grace and the knowledge and the Savior, that they're, that they're serving God, that they're on fire for Him. Listen, we need some men to have a pointy end to say, listen, we need to get moving for God. And then on the other side, if you take the other end of the ox, go, Brother Charles, you know, there's a, 
there's kind of like a hatchet on the other side, a blade on the other side. And see, as you're taking, and you're taking that oxen, he's tilling that soil up, and you come across a root. You know what you can do with that hatchet? You can cut that root out of the way. See, and you can get rid of that thing. Or if the if the if the wheels get too muddy and they get all slobbed down and can't hardly go, you can take that hatchet and you can start knocking the wood or the mud off the wheels. Make sure the wheels can get grip again and begin to go. See, one ensures progress and the other one eliminates the obstacles. We need some men of God to knock some obstacles out of the way. Can I tell you some of the reasons why our churches are not doing so good is because our men have sat down too long. Hello, I'm preaching tonight, all right? This thing's on live stream. You can go back and pull it up again later, all right? Listen, we need some men of God to stand up, you know what, and say, hey, God's given me something. And you know what? The church is not going forward like it ought to, and there's obstacles in the way, but God has given me what I needed to make sure I can eliminate the obstacle, that my church can go for Jesus, that my family can go for Jesus, that my marriage can go for Jesus, that my future can go for Jesus. I believe somebody in here tonight ought to pick up an ox goat and go for the Lord and we need men that are equipped and you don't need much that's the thing about it so many folks say well I just don't have anything preacher I just ain't got nothing I'm a nobody and all these things listen listen God don't need a celebrity is that even good English God doesn't need a celebrity does he God doesn't need a mighty man God, you know, you know, he 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 brought up a Samson, and look what happened to him. Okay, God didn't need a mighty man. God didn't need all those. You know what God needs? God needs a faithful man. That's what God needs. God needs a man that trusts him. That says, if all I've got's an ox goad, as long as I got the Holy Ghost, that's good enough. <laughs> oh, listen, David looked over at Goliath, and Goliath has got all this armor. Goliath's nine and a half foot tall. Goliath's even got a, a shield bearer in the front of him. And Goliath has all these victories and has proven that he is a warrior beyond warriors. And all David had, who knows how old David was, probably a teenager, maybe a little older, we don't know. But all he had was a sling and a few little stones. But that's all he needed because he had God. God. Some people look at Goliath and say he's too big to he's too big to defeat. And God looked at him and said he's so big you can't miss him. See, he's so big you can't miss him. And so David goes out with all that he has. Boom, knocks that old giant down. And what were all the other men doing? Yeah, and David shows up bringing some some goodies for the family to eat. Daddy had sent him and said, here, take some goods down to your brothers and make sure they're all right and send me some word back how they're doing. David gets there, here's that old giant making fun of God, making fun of the children of Israel, taunting them, and he says, who in the world is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who's going to do anything about it? Nobody would do anything. David said, I will. And they said, oh, David, we know what you're doing. You just come down here to see a fight. You just come down here because of the naughtiness of your heart. You just want to pick a fight. You just want to get the limelight. You just want to do all these other things. David said, is there not a cause? (laughs) And he goes on out, and all he's got, he tries on Saul's armor, and he says, that ain't going to work for me. I've not proved it's too big anyway. And he lays the armor off, and he goes out. He takes care of the giant. When all the other men were doing, they were fully equipped. They were trained. They were supplied. All of these things. 
things. They had the backing of the king, but they still, oh, can I tell you something? We ought to preach on that for a while. Somebody put this thing in park because listen, you and I tonight, we have the backing of the king and we have all the supply we need and we have all the support we need and we have all the strength we need. We have all the training we need, but yet for some reason, the men are not making a difference because they're sitting idly by and they're looking out at the world and they're saying the world is too far gone but we need a David to rise up and say let me tell you something now even if all I got is a few stones I've got God and I can make a difference we need to understand we're equipped men we're equipped ladies y'all with me these men ain't going to amen but ladies you with me all right Listen, we need some men that are equipped, all right? Not only do we need men that are equipped, we need men that are empowered. The Bible said that Shamgar had an ox goad, but the Bible says he delivered, he also delivered Israel. You know, Saul had his armor. Saul had his army. Saul... I mean, he had everything he needed, but he didn't deliver Israel from the Philistines. David came along and did that. Shamgar, all he had was an ox goad. But he was empowered by God. You say, what could Sand Hill Free Will Baptist do? Friends, I don't know, but it's going to be tremendous as long as they're empowered by God. <laughs> you say, well, that church out there, it ain't no more than an ox goat. That's all right. It's got God. <laughs> it's got God. And if God can have one man to slay 600 Philistines with an ox goat, think of what you and I can do when we have the entire canon of Scripture, when we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. Greater is he that's within us than he that is within the world. Why are we afraid of what this world says? Why are we afraid of what this world's crowd does? Why are we intimidated by all their screaming and yelling and protesting and everything. Oh, listen, friends, get an ox goat in your hands and say, I've got God and I am empowered and I know that he causes me always to triumph through him and thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Empowered. Men. Empowered by God. Oh, When's the last time me and you ever feel like you were empowered? We've been told that masculinity is toxic. Yeah. We've been told that's toxic. We've been told being a man is a bad thing. I want you to know I'm so thankful to be a man. I'm so thankful to be a man. And if for no other reason than this, my wife's pretty. And I've not seen a pretty man yet. <laughs> all right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, got an, I finally got an amen by the men right there. All right? I've not seen a pretty man yet. All right? <laughs> and my wife's pretty. <laughs> Praise God I'm a man. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I've seen what they've had to put on to go to church. Praise God I'm a man. <laughs> Listen, thank God. She told me to come in the hotel room. I said, honey, we got to hurry. She said, I got to do my hair. I thought, man, I, yeah, I need to do my hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Praise God I'm a man. Listen, aren't you glad tonight to be a man? Amen. Rise up in the power of God. 
Rise up the power of God. You are empowered tonight by the Holy of Holies. You are empowered by the King of Kings. You ought to be the ones leading your families tonight. You ought to be the spiritual leaders of your home. You ought to be raising up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, you are empowered by God. I had a fella come to me about a week or so ago and he was complaining because him and his, him and his girlfriend or wife, they're not together anymore and she won't let me see the kids and all these other things. And, and, and listen, he's, he, he don't think he's got any power in anything. Oh, we need some men that will rise up and say, listen, I'm, I'm not going to, that's not going to be me. I'm going to be the husband I'm supposed to be. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. And I'm going to raise up my children in the house of God, under the word of God, leading them to the throne of God and watch God bring his favor down upon us. Well, to God, we had men like that today. Oh, can I just remind us, men, we're empowered. E.M. Bounds said this. Y'all ever read E.M. Bounds, by the way? He's got one of the biggest books on prayer you'll ever read. Some people say it's the best volume on prayer you'll ever read. But he said this right here. He said, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. Come on. Come on. Come on. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. We need men. We need men. Oh, listen, you remember when Saul went to Gibeah? The Bible said he went with a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, we need some men like following Saul whose hearts God has touched. And they're going to follow the king. If he takes them to Gibeah, they'll follow the king. If he takes them to Timbuktu, they'll follow the king. If he takes them to the very gates of hell, they're going to follow the king. Oh, Peter said, Lord, wherever you go, I'll go. I'll even die for you. But oh, no, he denied the Lord that he even knew him. But oh, let me tell you something. We've got the Holy Ghost now, amen? We've got the promise of God on our lives and there are exceeding great and precious promises that we can be a partaker of if we will put God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We need men that are empowered. And lastly, we need men that are engaged. We need men that are engaged. And I'm not talking about engaged like to be married. I'm talking about in the fight. We need men involved doing something. I have a fellow in my church, and he texts me this weekend. Pastor, I think it was after you guys left, but he's a, he's a school teacher, and he'd been a pastor for 20-some years, and right now he's not pastoring. He's with us. And, and, and and he sent me a text and he said uh, to, to our men's group and he said, I want you to pray, guys. He said, because I'm being interviewed later this week to be a principal for a principal's opening at a local elementary school, which is right down the road from our church. And I mean, we want that. We do because that's an entrance into that school. I mean, I, I mean, it's right, it's right on the highway, Brother Doug. I mean, our church is here right there is a school, man. It, it, we can reach that school. And so we began to pray. Well, I talked to him last night. And he said, you know what? He said, there's, he said, there's no men that's applying for these jobs. There's no men teaching elementary school. 
there's no men involved with young kids. He said, they'll all be middle school or high school, but there's no men. And, and, and I got to thinking, I thought, well, that's probably about true. All of my kids, when they were coming up, and they always had kid, uh, teachers in elementary, they're all women. Who runs our nurseries in church? Women. Who runs our K, pre-K classes through first grade or whatever? Women. Who runs our second and through fifth grade classes in our churches? Women. I mean, we don't finally get men involved until maybe a teenage class or something. And then we got a youth leader, you know, or something like that, you know. And then in church, we have women's groups, women active for Christ, ladies auxiliary, and all those things. And I'm thinking, where's the men's group? I mean, I like chicken. Where are we at? <laughs> all right? Man, feed us. Come on, do something, you know. I mean, where are they at? You know. Listen, we need men that are engaged. Men that are engaged, involved in something. Involved in the fight, active for the Lord, sold out for Jesus. We got to get to the point, men, that we stop letting our wives take our kids to church and we get up and do it. Amen? Come on now, that'll preach. Listen, we need to be the ones that, 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 are, that, that are setting the way, that are showing the example, that are being the right model for our wives to follow, for our children. And listen, guys, I know Ephesians says wives be in submission to your husbands, but you ought to give them something they want to submit to. Because nobody wants to submit to somebody lazy. Nobody wants to submit to a couch potato. Nobody wants to submit to somebody who just sits around and demands and points. And Nobody wants to do that. Stand up. Be counted. Stand up. Be a man of God. Be the men we're supposed to be. You want revival to come to Sand Hill Free Will Baptist Church? It'll come here the same time it comes to Peace Free Will Baptist Church when the men of God stand up and be counted. And say, I'm not going to sit idly by and let this world die and go to hell. I'm not going to sit idly by and watch marriages fall apart. I'm not going to sit idly by and let kids go crazy. I'm not going to sit idly by and let genders be blurred and all these other things. I am a man of God. God created me. God equipped me. God empowered me. And I will be engaged for God. It's what we need today. Can I ask you something? Are you equipped today? You say, I ain't got nothing, baloney. You do too. You do too. You got exactly what you need to do what God wants you to do. Amen. You say, well, I, I'm not a very strong preacher, baloney. You got the Holy Ghost in you. Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The only question that's left then is if you're empowered and you're equipped the only question you've got to answer tonight is, am I engaged? Am I engaged? Men, are you engaged? Are you engaged? Come on now, are you engaged? Listen, I mean, if you're going to have a revival, ought to start, I, I just really believe it ought to start the men. We're supposed to be the ones leading the churches and leading our families and leading our communities and leading our flocks and all that. And listen, friends, if we want revival, stop looking at the women to do it. Start looking at the women to bring it. But look at the men. Men, where are we at? Come on. Amen. I had one of my, my deacon and I was talking last night after church, and he said, Pastor, he said, he asked me, I want to know my opinion on something. He said, Pastor, he said, why is it that 
Nobody wants to engage in anything outside the walls of the church. I mean, he's, he notices it as well as I do. And I, I could come up with a lot of different reasons that I think, but the simple fact of the matter is is that we're just not engaged. We're just not engaged. Friend, are you engaged tonight with Jesus? Are you engaged in the battle for the Lord? Is your, is, are the pants on your knees worn out? Is the altars at your home, are they, are, they, are they stained with the teardrops of your soul? Is there, are there marks on the door of your neighbor where you've banged on it so much because you want to share the gospel with him? How engaged are we? Listen, this is revival. This is, this is what the Holy Ghost brings. And this is what our society needs today. It needs a church that understands it's equipped, it's empowered, and it's engaged. And friends, can I ask you something today? Are you engaged? Ladies, are you engaged? Are you engaged? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.